For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? We up in here for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Vinny Hardy here, Aaron Gershon, where all the action is this week up in Atlanta, man. How's everything in, in media days? You've been up in all the action. How's it been? <laughs> it's been a blast. It's a, It's been a lot of fun to get to know some of the beat writers around the SEC that I, I, I haven't known or haven't seen in a while. So that's been a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, the last three days have been really exciting hearing from all these coaches. The only ones that uh, haven't spoken yet are uh, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Auburn, so I'll miss those tomorrow. But, uh, man, got plenty plenty of information. Got to talk to some people about uh, their opinions of Kentucky, which for the most part were pretty positive. But we also learned uh, one guy in particular hates Kentucky, and there's a rivalry that none of us knew existed. So that was, that was pretty fun. We'll get into that one. But uh, – yeah, no, it was a good time. And then today, uh, Mark Stoops, Will Levis, DeAndre Square, and Kenneth Horsey were all uh, all made it down here, and they were great. Um, and I thought, uh, really, especially, um, I mean, we knew Will was going to do great, but I thought Kenneth Horsey did a really nice job, and he was great. And DeAndre Square was really enjoying and appreciative to be down here. So it was good catching up with those guys and uh, Coach Stoops you know, was himself. He kept things close to the best. He, was, he had some jokes, and he also uh, uh, shared, you know, the same optimism that really everyone else has around Lexington. So it, it was good. It was a very useful trip, to say the least. Yeah, man, good stuff. And this was your first media days, right? Yeah, man. It was. You know what? I didn't really know. I knew there was going to be a ton of people. I knew it was going to be action-packed and all that, but – I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. So uh, I'm already excited for this event next year because um, it was just a great time. Good networking and then obviously uh, getting interactions with, you know, athletes that you don't get to talk to all year long. And then obviously also get to see uh, the athletes you cover in that setting with that with the writers that they don't necessarily talk to often. So it was good stuff. Yeah. So that was that was my question. I have never been to a media day yet. And so this is your first one, and you you were there for Monday, yeah. Tuesday, and Wednesday. Like you say, you're not gonna go tomorrow. Yep. So, the first day, did you did you do everything the same every day, or did you change things up the way you did it this time? And yeah. Are there things that you're gonna be like, I'm gonna do this different next year, or did you change it up day by day? Oh, that's a good question. I think um, early, at least in the first day, I kind of went with the flow a little bit. Uh, not knowing, you know, everything going around, but 
Um, you know, I knew I had a job to do. My job was to try to talk to at least one person from each school and get that Kentucky's going to play against this year and get their opinion. So I jumped right in asking Lane Kiffin during his press conference. And then, you know, with Missouri, uh, Nick Roush actually beat me, beat, beat me to Eli Drinkwood. So he got that question in. And then uh, I went over and talked to their players. And from there, man, it, it kind of just took it every day, just trying to talk to one person from each school and, you know, and, uh, some on Tuesday when Alabama was in the house, you had a lot, a lot more questions for each coach that was up. So I kind of left the coaches alone uh, and went to talk to players from, uh, I guess, Tuesday was Vanderbilt. Got to talk to Mike Wright, who awesome guy, by the way, hard not to root for Mike Wright. And uh, uh, Vanderbilt obviously has a long way to go, but he's a great kid. It was good to talk to him um, about, you know, the UK game last year. And, you know, he spent time with Will Levis at the Manning Passing Academy. So that was good. And then, uh, South Carolina had a good conversation with Zach Pickens, their defensive tackle. Uh, Austin Williams, the rod receivers, played against UK four times already at Mississippi State. Uh, and then today, I had a really good, I had a one good conversation and one, uh, one who uh, wasn't so happy with me talking Kentucky, but I uh, talked to Georgia Center, uh, Cedric Fran He was awesome. And then uh, Georgia's uh, a Florida offensive lineman, uh, Richard Garargi. He was uh, he was not happy because I brought up the fact his team had eight false starts in Lexington last year. So you, you could tell it kind of ticked them off a little bit, but got a job to do. But man, it, it was a good time. And look, y'all can get all this at, at believe.com. Uh, go straight to the site. And wherever you get your podcast, of course, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places as well. And our good friends at the Steel Blue also put every episode of this podcast up on their site too. I like when you were asking him, you kept saying, Don't mean to bring up bad memories, but that's <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how I didn't know how else to phrase it, man. Eight false starts. That's hard to do. That's really hard to do. And he had one of them, but yeah, there was no you know, a lot of guys that Kentucky has beaten, you know, there's been a lot of credit given or there's been like, yeah, you know, they do this really well, diving into it. But, yeah, there was none of that. There was a – he said that Kentucky had a hot hand that game. So, uh, I don't think there's much belief there. And, uh, you know, I tried to poke the bear and ask him if, you know, he thought Florida could get back to kind of dominating Kentucky like they did for three decades and didn't take the bait. But that's all right. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a good – it was good. I, Every and all these kids who were down there, even him, uh, you know, you could really tell they belong down there. They're, you know, leaders of their teams and really good young guys. And uh, they're going to have, you know, they're going to have a lot of success. I think every single one of them. Uh, I didn't see one kid that didn't handle himself well up there. Same thing for your boy, Martez Manuel. Uh, I saw, uh, <laughs> I, I tried to listen to a lot of the coverage at work uh, on the radio and stuff like that. And, put on you know the uh jocks out of birmingham because they had a lot of stuff going on on mm-hmm. on the radio all day uh got home from work and a question was asking there there you were up on my tv so i had to <laughs> picture and tweet that out so that's aaron right there front and center oh well, no i got a lot of those text messages this week it was kind of funny but i'm not used to that that's for sure yeah and so uh i saw martez Manuel did a you know um a general interview kind of with Alyssa Lang from the SEC Network, mm-hmm. and, you know, just uh, yeah, like well-spoken, good head on his shoulders. They were talking Absolutely. about his black and gold outfit or whatever, and he had some Jordans to match and all that kind of stuff. Then you talked to him and, and got a little, I mean, he was still <laughs> nice, but you kind of got a little Very bit good, my kid. 
Yeah, no, he was, he, he was, first of all, he was a great kid and he was nice to be. He, you know, he didn't have to go in as in depth as he did, but, right. um, you know, that, that game has been a little chippy the last couple of years. And what made me ask the question the way I did was if you remember, I think it was, yeah, it was 2020 um, in that COVID shortened year. And there was a play where Larry Roundtree uh, running back trucked Kelvin Joseph and Kelvin Joseph was laying on his backside completely alone. And a bunch of Missouri players just started flexing all over him. And that kind of kind of showed how lifeless Kentucky was in that moment. And it also showed that, you know, Missouri was really motivated to beat Kentucky because I think it was a five-year winning streak for UK going into that game. And then obviously last year, uh, Kentucky got him back again. But uh, there was a lot of pent-up anger from Mr. Manuel. He pretty much, I, I don't think he necessarily, I think the bad blood doesn't come from a dislike of, um, I don't know, a certain player. I don't, I don't think he dislikes Chris Rodriguez or anyone on the roster. I'm just using Chris as an example. And I, I think it's more because Missouri's own, uh, excuse me, Kentucky's own Missouri, and he's sick of it. So I think that's where that animosity stemmed from. But, yeah, man, he said, I hate that white and blue. And that was uh, that was something. And obviously Arkansas is a historic rival of theirs. So if he feels uh, Kentucky is a bigger rivalry game, uh, I think that's pretty interesting. But And he also, you know, he's a DB. So I asked him about Will, and he was super complimentary said that uh, he's a guy that um, he's talked to his peers saying he's one of the best quarterbacks he's gone against at the college level, which, you know, says a lot. He's been in the SEC for three years. And um, I, I believe he played against uh, he played against Alabama in 2020, which means he would have played against Mac Jones, who's a first round pick, obviously, and some some real some real good quarterbacks. Uh, so that's a high compliment. So I thought, you know, he was just honest. And that's all you could ask from these kids, honesty. And uh, I was really impressed with the answer. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't want any Kentucky fans thinking he's anything but confident and a good kid because he is that thing. But it definitely adds uh, some motivation uh, when those two teams meet up in November. That's right. Y'all follow Aaron at A. Gershon 99. He's got all the – the clips, all the video, all the coverage that SEC Media Days, the players he got to talk to. My thing with Manuel, and I said this on Cast Talk Wednesday podcast, just recorded it. He's born and raised in Como. He's a native. Been watching this team lose to Kentucky since he was in high school. Like you said, he doesn't hate anybody yep. personally. He's just kind of fed up with it. He saw uh, C.J. Conrad, who's been on this podcast, come in and steal a win right there at the end. I think he speaks for the whole community. He speaks for the whole university. Yep. They're all just sick and tired of losing to Kentucky, and I think that's kind of what he, he kind of revealed to you the other day. A hundred percent. And I, th I think that kind of goes with how Kentucky's still viewed. I, I don't think that as good as they've been, and there was a lot of – Again, there are a lot of compliments that Kentucky got when I asked these questions, especially from uh, Zach Pickens of South Carolina and um, Cedric Van uh, Cedric Van sorry Sam Van Pran from Georgia. But there's still this view out there from media, and I think you know just players alike that Kentucky's still you know Kentucky. They don't think that they're one of the better teams in the SEC. They just think of you know the history that. Kentucky has and that's as a loser I mean that's it's true I mean there's no hiding from that so I still think there's that stereotype out there uh, whether Kentucky likes it or not I think they probably like it because it's motivating um, but 
I, I, so I think his anger, like you said, they don't they're sick of losing to them because they find it in their head. It's like embarrassing because Kentucky's a team that's, you know, historically a loser, but now they're really good and they're beating teams five years in a row like they did with Missouri and they did with South Carolina. And, you know, I don't think it's fully set in. The reality is it's a pretty darn good program right now. So um, I definitely think he was speaking on behalf of Missouri's roster. Like I said, you could tell that game in a lot of them two years ago uh, in 2020 because they had way more energy and came out really motivated to end that streak. Um, when Kentucky came out flat, they kind of just came in and expected to win that game. So uh, I do think he was totally talking for uh, that Missouri locker room and probably, you know, Mizzou's fan base as a whole. Mm-hmm. And you got to tip your captain in when they did. They did win that game. Yeah. Uh, they came out with more energy, took it to Way Kentucky. More. And as, as lifeless as Kentucky was, I'm not trying to be biased. Maybe it's going to sound biased. They they only won twenty to ten. No, it wasn't like yeah. it was fifty one to three, no. and they, they got right. all this anger and yeah. we're gonna end this streak. And Kentucky, if they had gotten it together and mounted one drive, they're in the game. So, okay, t- yeah. you guys won fine. Tip your cap, but right. 20, to, twenty to ten when you're so it wasn't off. A <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, it was funny. I was talking to Dick Gabriel about this. Um, uh, yesterday or Monday, I forget whenever, whatever. But he said, you know, obviously he's the sideline reporter for UK on radio, uh, football wise. And he told me that was one of the most lifeless sidelines Kentucky has had uh, in the last couple of years, like since they started playing really good football the last five, six years. So I think that's pretty telling for a guy who's on the sideline every single game for the last 30 years, uh, whatever DG's been up to. He's obviously the man. So, um, I, I think that I think just Missouri took advantage of the fact Kentucky was lifeless and, you know, Missouri, uh, Kentucky's offense that year was, let's just say it was terrible. <laughs> it was a terrible offense. Uh, unfortunately, Terry Wilson never recovered from that t- uh, patellar tendon and wasn't the same athlete he was in 2018 or even uh, those first two games of 2019. So uh, it was just a trap game that there's never much energy in that stadium. Uh, from what I've heard, I've never been, but I'll be there uh, obviously this summer, uh, this fall. But uh, yeah, it was a trap game, and Missouri took advantage. You tip your cap, but I mean, if you look at the last six, seven years of Missouri, Kentucky, it's completely one-sided. Um, last year's game was closer than it probably should have been, but I, I still think that I still think Kentucky, uh, offensively especially, kind of kind of owned that game. Yeah. So um, yeah, definitely. On the verge of blowing him out last year, C. Rob fumbles at the goal line. Yep. Um, so it, the score was a lot closer than the, the game actually was last year. Yep. Exactly. And first SEC game too. So there's a lot to work out in that first game. There's a lot of you haven't hit SEC guys yet all year. It's been a year, so uh, that's always a tough game. First SEC game of the year, and that's what it was last year. And you mentioned that stadium. I haven't been either, but. You look yeah. at end zones and on TV, the people out there sitting on rocks. They don't even have bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> at, least fan, at least fan, at least Bandy's got bleachers. <laughs> and, and you know, I, I feel bad for that. Now, that place, you know, it's not SEC. It's not the same level as what we have in Lexington, and definitely not what they have down here in Georgia or Alabama. But yeah, man, you're right. That that Missouri atmosphere just looks it looks weird. I'm really. I'm definitely curious to make my first trip out there uh, in November, but 
Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Missouri, like you said, maybe they're going to come out in full force after those comments. Who knows? And that that should be – that's going to be, for Kentucky, a big trap game because especially if things go as planned and they're still in the SEC East race, I mean, that game – and then you have two weeks where you play Missouri and Vanderbilt, the two teams that you feel are the most winnable games on your schedule SEC-wise, I would say. Yeah. Um, and then you got Georgia after that. So that game's lurking. So by then, the blind, you know, it's going to be hard to turn the blinders off. So uh, it's going to be that's a that's a real interesting matchup. That it wasn't that interesting, but it sure is now. And I also you got to think about that about that part of it too, with uh, Georgia lurking at that point in the season. And uh, you saw, uh, like you said, the, it's going to be interesting because DeAndre Square, I think, quote tweeted your tweet with November fifth, <laughs> yep. like, with the smiley face. We know the day. See you then. So yeah, see it's, you then. It did make the rounds, you know. For, oh, man. Uh, it was great making the rounds. And Lonnie Johnson was saying, well, we don't lose to Mizzou. And then Missouri fans were his, in his comments because he's on the Chiefs now, and that's only an hour 45 up the road. And then uh, Lynn Bowden commented saying, I think I ran for 200 on them, which he did. And then uh, I think Marquand McCall commented asking if it was a rival. That was Calvin Taylor commented that. And Marquand McCall said, so it just blew up with a – former Wildcats uh, kind of make, making fun of it a little bit. But, again, I, I don't think there were any bad intentions with the kid who gave the answer. I thought he was just very honest. I also thought he was confident in himself, and he was also very complimentary of the quarterback. There was no, you know, yeah, he's overrated any of that. There was a, a ton of respect shown there. So, really good kid, and you got to just – I love the honesty. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, the uh... – Media Days historically been in Hoover, Alabama at the Winfrey Hotel for years at the College Football Hall of Fame now. So what is that place like? I haven't gotten to see that yet. So, Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I, I can't say I got to go through the whole building because they had the top floor uh, closed off. But, you know, just walking around, the, you know, the main hallway and then the second floor where they had uh, Radio Row and seeing some of the Heisman stuff and the recent Heisman stuff with Bryce Young. Uh, his collection of stuff just added it. It's pretty cool. It's definitely something to check out if you're in Atlanta. It's not something to like go make a trip out of uh, just for that. But uh, it was pretty cool. And I really like the setup. It's in this like turf field area that they have downstairs. And it, there's a ton of room. So you didn't feel like you were in a cluster of reporters, which was something I was afraid of. Uh, it was just going to be a big media scrum. But it wasn't that. It was well spread out. And it was well uh, it was just really well organized. I mean, the SEC does an amazing job with these events. I thought they did a great job at the SEC tournament down in, in Tampa this year. Uh, I thought this was really well done. And um, it, it's a it's a cool environment. It's right in downtown Atlanta off Centennial Park, which is really cool. A lot of history there with the Olympics. So um, it's it's definitely worth it if you're in Atlanta. It, it, was a, it was a really fun time. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. So yeah, right all up in in all the action. Anything else that that caught your eye or jumped out at you? Yeah, or, or... yeah a couple of things. I think just talking about Kentucky, and I think I think for me, this trip was more about getting to know the people out of Kentucky and their perspectives. Because we'll uh, and I, hopefully you'll be there too. And Kentucky is media day in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if you're going to be there, but. Um, Kentucky's media day is coming up, so we're going to talk to everybody then. Um, and that's going to be a really good time. Uh, so I was kind of more focused on, you know, the other teams and their players. But a couple notes I thought were interesting from Mark Stoops today when he kind of just met with the locals only was uh, obviously n nothing new on Chris Rodriguez. But he did talk about uh, 
uh, Dee Beckwith, one of the running backs they just picked up that, you know, they are going to try him at different positions. And one position I would keep an eye on, he didn't want to go into too much detail on it, but I would look at that H-back role that uh, Justice Dingle was working at, that fullback spot. I think that could be something that's interesting where you can kind of deposit him as a running back or as a threat to as a blocker and then of course there's a threat in the passing game so i think that's an interesting spot uh so that one caught my eye um also what was the other thing uh will levis pretty much told everyone that uh dane key will be a starter yeah. so that was exciting i think for everybody because he was the hype of the spring he had a great spring game obviously and um he's a lexington kid so if he flourishes here he's gonna become a fan favorite real quick um, so I thought that was really telling he, um, but he spoke like a captain when he said it too. He said he has to earn it every day. It wasn't like you're a starter, you know, it's your job now. So I thought Will was really, uh, good on that topic there. And, um, also, um, talking about him with a, I, an interesting one more, I asked it as a Giants fan, but, uh, I did have to ask him because he was at the Manning Academy. If Eli asked him at all about Juan Dale. And he said yes, but he also had a long conversation with Joe Shane, the Giants GM, and he kind of laid out how they envisioned uh, using Wandell and said that was really exciting. And the fact they had a long meeting, uh, uh, that's interesting to me. Uh, Giants could be in that quarterback market next uh, next uh, April. So uh, that, caught, that caught my attention, especially because it's my team. So <laughs> we talked about that last week. Like, if I know, like, yeah, you know, maybe, sure, enough. maybe. Yeah, so cool. I'd have to go back and listen. I just recorded that and video it. But uh, yeah, that, he definitely met with Joe Shane for a little bit and was really excited about what he had to say on how they plan to use Wandale. So uh had me excited as a fan and also as, you know, the reporter side of me, uh, you know, maybe maybe there is some interest there between uh, the Giants and Will Levis there. Yeah. And you're going going back to the receivers. With with Dane Key coming in and impressing as a true freshman, you know we've we've seen what they've done with the running game for all the, the physical pounded running game. The running back position has been solid for a long time. The big blue wall has gained a reputation over the years, and you know, we'll see how they plug in the tackle spots and see yeah. how they going. Got the quarterback spot with Levis. The tight ends have done some stuff. You get Upshaw back, and and so they should be. Yeah. Good. I think Isaiah. Cummins is going to be really good. I really like him. I think that move position change has been really good because mm-hmm. he was just stuck in that wide receiver depth chart, and you know they moved him to a spot where he could make some plays. Yeah, yeah. And so we've just been kind of waiting on the wide receiver room to. Yeah, it's 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 been there for just whoever wants to take it. You know, we one <laughs> Dale stepped in and and took on a lot of the work, missed out on Ali. But whether it's Dane Key, a, a, a young, yeah. you know, fresh-faced uh, freshman, or some of the older guys, whoever wants to yeah. jump in there, it's there for the taking. And that's the one position group offensively that we still just kind of mm-hmm. waiting on to kind of catch up with everything else. Yeah, no, you made some really good points there. One thing on the offensive line, uh, you it sounds like DeAndre Buford is going to be the guy at left tackle. Apparently, he had a really good spring. If you remember, he was the – the guy taking the starting reps this spring, and he, I believe he was the starter in the spring game too. So it does sound like he has the edge over Keontae Goodwin, but he's got to keep it up because Keontae Goodwin's coming, and he'll be he'll play his role on this team, and obviously he'll be a big a big factor in the future here. But that was an interesting one. Mark Stoops really gave a lot of credit to DeAndre today. Uh, but back to the receivers, yeah, it, 
I think Tavion Robinson's super important just because he's the old guy in the room, even though he hasn't been here in Lexington. He's played a lot of football uh, in the ACC, and the ACC is obviously a pretty good league. Um, he's done a lot of good things as a punt returner, uh, and he's been a primary option at receiver. So I think they really need him uh, to be a big – be a dog in that slot. They need him to kind of – obviously, I don't know if he's going to – I don't think it's possible to ask for Wandell for production at all. Uh, but you can't ask for him to be the number one option given his experience. So I think uh, he's a really important piece of the puzzle this year. Um, and, you know, all the reviews have been pretty good on him. So I'm very interested to see how he pans out. Um, he's going to be really important. And then behind, you know, Key is probably going to be outside. Um, and then I think I heard some good things today from Will about Barry and Brown, who's a four-star recruit. Um, they love Jordan Anthony's track speed, but if you've been following up with him, he's been doing track competitions this summer, so he's a little behind in the playbook. So I don't, I don't really know how much he's going to factor in this year. Um, maybe on specials, but I'm not really sure. Um, they like Brandon White, one of the incoming freshmen, speed, but he's a young guy who just got here. And then um, I don't really know the. I should have asked, but I didn't about to Kel Crowdis. I don't know what his status is. Yeah. Um, so then the other two guys I think you look at are. Uh, Chris Lewis, who was kind of a guy that was being hyped up by Will uh, this spring. Haven't really heard about much much about him since. Uh, I know he had a drop in the spring game. That was a little tough, but, you know, it's one play. So I'm interested to see what the talk about him is at Media Day in a few weeks in Lexington. And then the other guy uh, is Demarcus Harris, who um, he's played quite a bit. And he was very honest during his press conference this spring. Uh, if you remember, he didn't really play much at the beginning of last year. Uh, but by the end of the year, including in the Citrus Bowl, he was uh, he was one of the I'd say he was probably wide receiver three on the depth chart behind Josh and uh, Wandale there. And I think he finished the year with 150 yards, almost all of those coming like the last six games. Uh, and when he was asked why, you know, it didn't really click for him till late. He was like, well, they let me play. So he was in the doghouse early last year and he's had drop issues. So that kind of makes sense. So uh, Mark Soup said he's said today he's really important to this team. So. I think the two X factors in the room uh, are DeMarcus Harris and Chris Lewis because you have a lot of upside in other guys, but you need you need you need some guys who are just role guys who will make the plays when their number is called. And I think those are two guys that um, need to do that and are really important to this offense. And then you just need Tavion to be the, the wide receiver one. And Dane, you can't ask too much from him because he's a freshman. But uh, man, they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna throw all they can at him because they're really high on him. That's right. I don't know if I said it last week or not. I had had Mitch Brown on uh, from Fox Fifty Six, and he had yeah. covered Tavion in high school, and the word he used was electric for that dude. So yeah, not trying to put all that pressure on him, but he sounds like he's as as capable well, as one could be to to come in and fill that yeah. spot. And what's good is you can put a little more pressure on him because he's been around. And I know he hasn't been around here, but Virginia Tech, there's expectations down there uh, mm -hmm. for sure. So you can lean on him a little bit, I think. And um, you don't, you don't want to put, like you said, you don't definitely don't want to put too much pressure on him and say you got to be Wandale Robinson because mm -hmm. uh, that's impossible. That's literally had never been done before in Kentucky history. Uh, so, uh, but I do think you could push him a little bit because, uh, you know, he's here. They brought him in to be – WR one wide receiver one right so uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna be counted on and uh, you know it's crazy the stat to me that I brought up to Will when I did my interview with him a few weeks ago on the phone was you know you lost two thousand receiving yards that's how much Wandell and Josh Ali combined for a little over two thousand 
And then not to mention losing Justin Rigg, who was a security blanket at times last year mm-hmm. uh, at the tight end spot. So uh, they got they got a lot of production to make up for. But I think, as Mark Stoops puts it, the talent is there. The experience is not. Right, right. So, yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> it is that time. And um, it's there for taking for the receivers as far as that goes. So uh, 100%. Definitely see. Um, uh, recruiting on the recruiting note too. Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Brown comes in; they get that commitment. Nephew of you know the legend yeah. John Legend, and John Legend even put a tweet out about my. That was crazy, right? <laughs> that was man, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool, and that's, you know they really. I've heard really good things about him. Um, you know, he's a obviously was a highly coveted guy uh just look at the hats that were on the table all big names and yeah. you know two four i think it's really telling um that they've been able to get two four-star receivers already i think guys are i think they're really doing a good job selling the nfl pro style offense and obviously will's not going to be here after this year but um you know that now there's a confidence that kentucky could go out and get a big time quarterback uh on the market because of mm-hmm. you know the pro style offense and i think you know, I really like Bo Allen, but I'm not quite sure if he's the guy who's going to be the starter ever. Um, nothing against him. I'm just not sure they're sold on him, given the fact they did go get Will for multiple years. Um, so I do wonder if, you know, next this time next year, we're, you know, we're getting to know a, a transfer portal quarterback who's going to start. And I, I, I think that maybe that idea mixed with this NFL profile, uh, NFL style offense, uh, it's attractive to guys like Anthony Brown and Shamar Porter, who are, you know, four-star commits. That's uh, a really important position. You, you know, you don't want to read too much into the star level, but when you, I think the skill positions, you can read into it because those are guys who usually pan out. Is it just arm strength for Bo Allen? Is that the, the main thing? Or what, what, what are those yeah, factors? Yeah, I think it's arm strength, and I think it's, you know, he's com- – He's barely played. I mean, I, I think now a day more than ever, uh, especially with Kentucky being in a win now situation, they're not like a rebuilding program anymore. Um, I think you need experience at that quarterback position. And I think that's why you see the, the quarterback roulette every single year or where these guys are a big name leaves and another one comes in from another school. I mean, you look at Oklahoma and what they've been able to do in the transfer portal, Jalen Hurts, and uh, this year, Dylan Gabriel coming in to replace Spencer Rattler and Caleb Williams. Um, you've had, uh, I mean, LSU and Texas A&M both have guys who played in the conference. Now, I think uh, Max Johnson's up at Texas A&M. LSU has Jaden Daniels from Arizona State. Uh, Zach Calzada moving from A&M to Auburn. I mean, it's Adrian Martinez. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I definitely think that if they don't have enough confidence in Bo Allen, that he's absolutely going to be the guy next year, kind of like they didn't with, obviously they didn't have enough confidence last offseason that he was going to be the guy or Joey Gatewood was going to be the guy. And they went out and found Will Levis. I mean, the, the transfer portal ain't going anywhere. Uh, there are going to be names that enter. And I really think that, uh, you know, unless Bo blows them away. And, uh, and another thing on that, um, Coach Scangrello, the offense coordinator, Rich Scangrello, said this, um, that it's an open competition for the backup job. So Bo Allen's having trouble beating out Kaya Sharon and Deuce Hogan, who's actually here as a walk-on, even though he's a former four-star recruit from Iowa. Mm-hmm. So, again, I don't want to pile on Bo Allen here, but he's not even sold as the backup. I don't know if you could sell him as the quarterback. Of the- 
So I think these recruits are looking, hey, they're going to go to the portal and get another Williams. Mm. Interesting, interesting stuff. Basketball, real quick, The you know, the basketball yeah. team did a tour of the state, kind of got everybody out there, got Cal and the players out with, you know, Moorhead and Georgetown and, and different places doing autographs and seeing the fans and just kind of that whole feel good for everybody, uh, which was cool to see coaches out there with them and, and, and all that's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Big Blue Madness camp outs are back, just kind of going back to the way back machine on a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I think you, you know what, I, Cal's gotten killed lately, let's be honest. I mean, after you lose to St. Peter's right after the worst season in everyone's lifetime, right, uh, you're going to get a lot piled on you because it's, you know, it's national championship or bust uh, when it comes to UK basketball. Um, but I think for a guy who has a lot to, I think he kind of has to prove himself again. Uh, I think he needs to earn the trust of the Kentucky fan base back. And I think that's all, you know, I think the fire Cal stuff is too far, but I think it's all justified uh, for fans to want to get him to earn that trust back. And I think from, you know, this tour, I think getting around, being around fans, you know, I think that was important. The campouts, bringing that back and trying to re revamp blue, Big Blue Madness, which hasn't been the same the last couple of years. I think that was good. And he talked about that and he's made good on that. Um, and I think most importantly, uh, it's all buzz for now, but the recruiting trail seems hot, uh, like hotter than it's been in years. And it's interesting to me because I thought I kind of liked how they built last year's roster through the portal. Uh, this year, it's really it's such a weird roster because there are six returners and we never have that here. Um, <laughs> but it seems like next year they're going back to we're going to get every five star guy and we're going to line up and we're going to have all the talent in the world. We just got to put it together. Um, so it's kind of fun to see that come back. But man, they're not. But this time, how they're doing it is. We're going to get four top 10 guys. I mean, you already have Dillingham committed, who's the top point guard in the country. I think DJ Wagner is leaning Kentucky's way. We'll see. It was in Louisville's hand for a bit, but, you know, Cal's known Dewan Wagner's whole, uh, Dewan Wagner's father's whole, DJ Wagner's father, Dewan, his whole life. So that's going to be hard to beat. And then you see, you know, Justin Edwards, I think, is going to pick Kentucky on Monday, um, another top 10 guy. So, uh, Rob Holland, I mean, they're they're hot right now on the recruiting trail. So that's how you win back the fan base. You get the big names, uh, you get in front of them, and you try to bring back uh, some of the things they love. And I think maybe I I, th I thought the one thing he did this offseason that was like, come on, man, was kind of blame the facilities. I mean, I get the facilities may need an upgrade, but they were are still they've been renovated in the last fifteen years. They're still pretty darn nice compared to where you go around the country. And I think that might have rubbed fans off the run, uh, wrong way. And he's kind of backed off that a little bit lately and put more focus on, like you said, the Big Blue Madness, this tour that he's doing right now, getting the Bahamas trip. I think that's really important, uh, even though it's a billion dollars to go to it. <laughs> but just getting it, getting the team on, getting the team on TV early and then uh, uh, hitting the recruiting trail hard. So I think. I think if for a makeup off season, which is how I'd kind of describe this one, uh, I gave Cal like an A minus. You know, everything but what the facilities talk is really, I think, working. Yeah, that's for sure. Sure. Let me talk about our, our lots of rain watches. I got one more thing to hit you with that it's dear to your heart before you wrap it up. Yeah. Lotsofrain.com. Look, own timeless watches with pride, built and designed for watch enthusiasts. Lots of rain watches are made to last with a careful selection of materials and components. It's focused on detail from the design 
to your wrist provides our customers with a great watch at any price. They got the you know the Seafarer, the Nautica, the Subnautica, so many different styles and designs for men and women, formal, casual, whatever you want to do. Lotterain.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. See what our man Dave has got. He's been on this podcast before to talk about them. These are you know, extremely fine crafted watches and you'll definitely be satisfied with the product that you get. So y'all go to Lots of Rain, tell them you heard about them on the Believe in Kentucky podcast with Vinnie Hardy and Aaron Gershon, LaTorraine.com. Your New York Giants mm. got everybody fired up because they're going back to the old uniforms that Lawrence Taylor wow. and Phil Sims used to wear. Yeah. This for two games, but that's, that's two games that y'all will be proud, right? Well, I wish it was eight or nine. <laughs> Had the home all home games and the, the game in Dallas every year. I, I wish they were where those are. I mean, they're sweet, and obviously, some of the better moments in Giants history have happened in those. So, uh, I've always liked the blue and white, the obviously the old road uniforms that they wore in the 80s, 90s, uh, early 90s. Um, they've had those as the color rush alternate, uh, but the blues back too, man. Oh, they're they're beautiful, huh? A lot of good days uh, that I obviously wasn't alive for, but I grew up learning about uh, those Giants teams from my dad. Uh, and uh, man, th- those are sweet. They're, they're, you know, it's, this is a rebuilding year. Uh, obviously, you just want to see improvement from the Giants, and uh, you're already seeing it. I think in the coaching and in the in the way they're running things uh, at the GM level. Uh, so give us something and giving us those uniforms. I'll take it. They'll they'll be stealing my money with those. <laughs> <laughs> gonna do the end zone in met life yeah oh so y'all i saw all y'all are fired up and saw the video and saw uh saquon and all that so i was like yeah i gotta ask yeah. him about that when we get on here tonight. uh I, i'm pretty <laughs> pumped up about those that's that's definitely a money stealer right there they 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 put those on fanatics like the second that video came out i was like are you kidding you're ready you take you're taking my money within five minutes like come yeah, on absolutely Man, any other, you know, news and notes or little stuff you want to get out here from the, your first time at the media days in the in amongst everybody? Nah, yeah, I would just I would just say that this is a confident Kentucky team, man. I mean, they really feel good about where they're headed. They have a ton of trust in their quarterback. Again, this is the most hyped quarterback Kentucky's had since Tim Couch. There's no other way to put it. Um, I think he he's handled himself every way you could ask for and uh yeah, I would just say for for the guys who are predicting Kentucky to finish fifth, uh, fourth, they, I, I just I don't I don't see them being a bust. I really don't see how it's going to happen. I think uh, there's too much confidence in this program. There's too much momentum, um, and it, it you know this is the this is their best chance maybe to get to Atlanta that they're ever going to have because as good as Georgia is and as good as they recruit, nine NFL guys drafted on the defense alone. And not to mention another one who had legal issues who would have been a first-round pick. Uh, that's not going to be with the team and Adam Anderson. So, you know, you really have 10 guys off that defense. So, you know, Kentucky's got a window, and they got to take it, and they know that. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and Georgia's schedule is still pretty easy. They have a, they have, it's still pretty easy, but there's one stretch that I'll get real quick that someone brought to my attention. Someone – um, who actually told me today that he has picked Kentucky to win the SEC East, which was too bold for me, but uh, I, I respect it. A non-Kentucky reporter, uh, believe it or not, was bringing my attention a four-game stretch 
um, that they have at one point. But, you know, now that I'm looking at it, I don't really know what he's talking about because uh, that schedule's not bad. <laughs> so, it's got to uh, be Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky. That's the – Yes, that's probably it. Though Mississippi State's a – you know, that's a tough place to play, and they play good teams really well. So, maybe, maybe that's what he's thinking. But uh, uh, I th- I don't think Tennessee's – I think Tennessee's defense is going to be the one team that can neutralize that offense. So, and then, you know, it's, it's it, it really could, though. If Kentucky takes care of business, it should come down to a game in Lexington on November 19th. And uh, if it does, that might be the best atmosphere we've ever had at a Kentucky football game. Yeah, and it's, you know, hopefully it's typical Lexington weather, which is nothing to you. But nothing for to me. guys from Georgia, that's, you know, we've we've seen really cold, mm-hmm. snowy games, when, especially when Kentucky used to play Tennessee last game of the year. And now you yeah. get Georgia near the end. And if they, if Kentucky handles business like we hope, then you get Georgia coming in late. That's you know what they need. They need that monsoon that was in Georgia two years ago, but they were stuck with Lynn Bonin at quarterback. So there was like they were so limited because they already had to run every play, but then they really had to run every play. Uh, they need that monsoon now that they have a real quarterback. Uh, not that obviously Lynn was great, but a quarterback who still can play through those conditions. Uh, with the defenses already, that that type of weather, Kentucky can win that game. I think if they if they played that 2019 game with the 2021 roster, Kentucky wins. I, I'm I'm sold on that. Because they had a, a dropped a touchdown in the rain. Yes, Chris a, Rodriguez. Yeah, yes, dropped a dropped a sure TD, and and look the the staff makes no bones about it stoops the big dog they've all look it, everybody's got georgia in their sights but we it's circled it's but circled. yeah we, we beat missouri we passed south carolina we're starting to beat tennessee we're starting to beat florida georgia's the last hurdle and look, 14 to 3 in lexington a couple of years ago these scores are not they're getting they're low. not and I still think, and Kirby Smart said it after, Kentucky played Georgia pretty well last year. Now, the score, Georgia was a, a beast last year. I mean, one of the best, I think, college football teams ever. I, I don't think that's hyperbole. Uh, Kentucky played them pretty well. <laughs> they played them pretty well. If that game was later in the year when, you, you know, both teams were a little beat up and, you know, Kentucky had more, you know, time to get ready for that one. It, that it could have even been a different result. So I, I think, especially with the game in Lexington, and like you said, the variables with the weather, man, uh, uh, that's uh, Georgia can't be feeling like that's an absolute W in the column like it's been in prior years. Yeah, yeah. And as far as their schedule, that's the fourth game of Georgia's gauntlet for the Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was looking Florida, at that. Tennessee, I, I was, Mississippi State, so. <laughs> if you want to see a gauntlet, look at Arkansas' schedule. That's a gauntlet. Exactly. And, and Missouri, too. Gauntlet. Missouri has Missouri, a couple but, of gauntlets. But did you see Arkansas? They Arkansas's non-conference games are BYU and Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what are they doing to themselves? And, uh, I, I mean, and they play in the West, and I believe their SEC East opponent – uh, is old, uh, not old, it's Missouri every year, and then they have a crossover game with South Carolina, who's like the media darling. So, uh, yeah, yeah, always. <laughs> always. <laughs> well, man, Aaron, I think we we got in quite a bit in this episode yeah. and got all your coverage, all your good interviews, all the content from you know right there in the heart of media days in Atlanta. 
Uh, I know you got a vacation coming up as well that you're looking forward to. So I hope you Absolutely. enjoy that. Be safe it. heading out of there. And, and man, look forward to hollering at you for an, another episode here on Leaving Kentucky. Enjoying having you. Know the listeners are as well. Look, A Gershon99, y'all, and at Believing Kentucky on Twitter. Follow us and interact with us. There's certain guests you want to have, tweet at us and say, hey, maybe try mm-hmm. to get such and such. You know, we'll absolutely do our best to get them on. We've got a fun season coming up. But we'll put the books on, put the put the put the wraps on this episode, man. Appreciate you, Aaron. And look, everybody go and subscribe and rate and review and all that good stuff. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky, and we will catch everybody next week. Y'all have a good evening. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.